You're listening to episode 115 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden, and today I'm chatting with Ruth Sukup about Unstuffed. We have this kind of do-it-yourself mentality in our culture, um, especially with women where we think, you know, we think we can just fix everything by, you know, putting everything in the right box and, you know, figuring it all out. And if we read the right books and if we do the right stuff and we, if we check off the right list and if we participate in the right activities, then we're going to get the life that we want. And a lot of times it doesn't work that way. And so, you know, I talk a little, a little bit about balance from that perspective and realizing in my own life that balance doesn't mean like figuring out, you know, the right, perfect way to distribute my time. Um, so that it's all even. It's it means it's not really something I can even do. Balance is only what happens when we stop doing and we just rest. When I say the word clutter, you probably think of your home, maybe your car. Are you drowning in stuff like I am? I don't know. Uh, it just feels like I have this love hate relationship with things. That's how Ruth starts her book, Unstuffed. Just we want the things, but then once our house is filled with them. We don't want them. And it's not just our house. It's the schedule. We want our kids to have the experiences, but then when we're driving crazy all over the place, we wish we hadn't said yes. It's my mind. I'm thinking about all the people and all the things, and I am keep looking at the social media and reading all the books, and my mind is cluttered as well. So Ruth, uh, from her book Unstuffed, and you can find her over at livingwellspendingless.com, we're going to talk about this idea of unstuffing our lives. She and I laugh a lot. We totally understand the mounds of kid toys. And uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the flow of things coming back into our house. Because even if we get rid of the clutter, there's going to be a space. And if we don't figure out our why, why are we choosing those things? Why are we saying yes? It's going to restuff. So um, we also want to encourage you that if you're feeling like it, you're beyond hope, there's no way you can you can recover from the mound of things. Uh, Ruth shares her a little bit of her story and where she's come from, and that she does understand hardship and deep pits and God's amazing grace to her in it. We even focus some time on some friendships and how do you declutter relationships? What does that even mean? I am just so thankful that you're listening today, that you're taking time to, you know, better your life and maybe make some space in your life and free yourself up. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing with your friends. Thank you for reviewing. Thank you for subscribing. All the things that you do. Thanks for chatting with me over on Facebook, on the page, uh, Instagram. I've got some fun stuff to share with you all at the end of the show. So make sure you stick around for that. But let's get right to the interview. Here we go. Hey, Ruth, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be here. I was thrilled. And then your book came in the mail yesterday, and I've just been pouring, pouring over it. Uh, Amazing. And we will get into all of that great stuff. Speaking of the word stuff. Um, (laughs) And we'll get unstuffed the stuff. Uh, First, always, I love to have guests introduce everyone to their family. So would you take a second and introduce us? Absolutely. I am married to my husband, Chuck, who we're actually celebrating our 10-year anniversary on Friday. So that's very exciting. It's a big week here in the Sukup house. (laughs) And um, I have two little girls, Maggie and Annie. Maggie is um, nine 
and Annie is six. I don't know. <laughs> I blinked out on how old she was. It's been a long day. Track it's, been a long yeah, day. it's been a long day. <laughs> um, they're adorable. I have Thank like you. a whole boy house. So all the cute bows on Easter I saw on Instagram. So cute. Oh, yeah. So, so cute. Yeah. They are fun. We live in Princess Fairy Mermaid Land, I like to say. It is all girls. My girls are like the two girliest girl girls you're ever going to meet. Like, they don't like boy Legos. They only like girl Legos. Oh, the pink ones. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> One time I tried to give them boy Legos and they were like, oh, no, mommy, we can't play with you. What are these? Why are you giving me Star Wars? I don't want this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. This book, it's called Unstuffed, Decluttering yes. Your Home, Mind, and Soul. And I told Ruth ahead of time, I was like, I don't know what to focus on because every section I'm like, yep, uh-huh, yeah, I've dealt with that, yep. And I don't know about you listening right now, there's probably an area of your life that you feel totally cluttered. And it may not be your home. Maybe you're like the type A, super organized, got the list, got the schedule, mom. But maybe it's your mind, like you're constantly thinking and over and in your schedule. And maybe it's your soul, like you've got a lot of baggage from your past. And maybe that type A-ness is compensating for something that's happened in your past. Ruth, literally, you hit on like all of these things. Amazingly. I, 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 it kind of go, runs the gamut of a lot of things. Sometimes I'm like, I wonder if I tried to pack too much into one little book. But well, I just, I felt like that's where my heart was. So that was where the book went. I mean, honestly, I think this is the mind of a woman, <laughs> right? Like yes. we're in all the places at all the times. When yes. my laundry is everywhere, it's also making me have a crisis of like faith and like my... <laughs> Like, I'm the worst mom ever. Why can't I get this together? Why can't I be better at this? And Oh, that is so true. Right? I am the same way. Yeah. If I for me, it's like if there's clutter like laying around and the house gets completely disheveled and you know, just this uh, in the last couple of weeks, my husband had knee replacement surgery. What? So he has been like on the couch and completely like unable to walk around, unable to do anything. And my husband is normally like, he's a stay-at-home dad. He is the one who like is my sanity. And mm -hmm. so when he's not creating my sanity, like there are things going down. And so I had um, like, I did okay for like the first week. And then like 10 days in, I completely lost it. Like mm -hmm. there was stuff everywhere. I hadn't, I had gotten back from a trip, like six hours before he had surgery and hadn't even unpacked my suitcase yet. I ran out of underwear and <laughs> that's I when you know, that's when you know. Yeah. I was, it was not like, I wish I could say that I was really grace, gra gracious about the whole thing. And my freak out was very calm and <laughs> put together, but totally not. And, you know, I think we all get to that point though. Like there is a point and, and some people, you know, the mess in their house doesn't bother them, but suddenly you freak out because you feel so overwhelmed with all the things that you have going on in your life and you've got, you know, your kids got activities over here and you've got PTO over here and you forgot to bring in cookies to your, your daughter's class. Mm -hmm. And whatever our moment is, like we all feel that just weight of, of the stuff that weighs down on us. And I think that's what the book speaks to. Especially this time of year. I mean, everyone talks about spring cleaning, right? So yes. maybe, I mean, we didn't have too much of a winter here in Texas, but <laughs> usually you're like all caved in. It doesn't matter. You're just kind of like here and things are shut down because of snow days or whatever. But spring, it's like everything's up and running. Sports is up and running. Lots of spring birthday parties. Lots of things to be at for school and things to remember and projects yes. and reports. And and then you're like overwhelmed with all the things you accumulated at Christmas and Easter. 
Yep. And all those birthday parties you just went to. And because why are our kids getting stuff at birthday parties? That's oh, that funny. is one of my little peeps. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. So we have all the things. So we already feel that like I need to declutter my home and then I need to declutter my schedule. And then, you know, you're feeling there's no time for quiet. So your spirit is and your soul are like you know, dying. Yes. Okay. So all of that, you totally get there with you. I, I get, get help. And that's, that's <laughs> where the, but that's where the book, like I, and I think like a lot of times we are so crazy that we look at a book like this, like unstuffed and go, the last thing I need right now is another book telling me how to declutter my life because I ain't got clutter, right? That's one more thing. Yeah. It's just one more thing to add to the noise of everybody telling me here's like your five step process to figuring out your life. And it's not quite that simple. Mm -hmm. And that's where like, I really, this is not the book that, I mean, and don't get me wrong. There's so many practical ideas that hopefully people will be able to implement and just kind of absorb and go, oh, that actually makes sense. Because I'm all about super simple solutions, like make things easy. Why are we making things so hard? We don't need to overcomplicate the the process and we certainly don't need to feel guilty about it. Yeah. And so that's what this book is all about. It's kind of like alleviating that pressure that we're all feeling of just like, I need to do everything. And figuring out some practical ways of, of taking off the pressure. Cause sometimes, especially young moms, if you're listening, um, I know I talk to them and they'll come to me and be like, do I need to sign up for soccer? My kid's 18 months. Like, is that a thing? Do I need to do that? I'm like, Honey, don't please. He's gonna get behind and all the other kids are going to be yep. already like pro signed with the pro team by the time they're four. Cause that's what we want. A bunch of a professional athlete because their lives go so well. <laughs> well, and I think just having perspective because when you're like, I love, I'm, I told you I'd be all over the place. I love <laughs> when you were talking about kids and stuff because I know mom's listening. That's huge stress oh, is like, I can maybe go through my closet and do the Conmary method and be like, this doesn't bring me joy. So I'm getting rid of it. <laughs> but to do it for my kids stuff, none of their stuff brings me joy. No, so, but I can't get rid yet. of all of it. It brings more anger, I think, and rage. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So then you went by age and said, okay, this age, zero to three, I think is what you broke it down. Birth to two, like as minimal as possible, which is so hard because everyone loves to give new babies things. I know. And they need no things. They need no things. But we, I am so guilty because I was a speech pathologist for zero to three before I had kids. And so I had so many toys already from treatment. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, and this is such a key age. And so I need to really stimulate his brain. And I was like, every baby Einstein thing. And I mean, I was. Oh, I hear you. I was right there too, because I kept thinking like, well, first of all, you are like terrified when you have your first kid that you're not going to stimulate their brain enough and that something's going to be wrong with them and you it'll play be your fault. classical music in the womb. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Classical music, the baby Einstein, mm-hmm, every mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. whatever you could do to make your child smarter. I had those singing babies. Did you ever get that DVD? That was the creepiest <laughs> DVD ever. <laughs> singing babies? No. My daughters were obsessed with it. Yeah. It's like these babies that and they... They like superimpose lips on there that are no. singing 
And yes, and it was so creepy, but my kids both loved it. Singing babies. All right. All right. Everybody and, look out um, for singing babies. But the same thing. I, I mean, every single toy and I would like read the reviews on these toys and think that, you know, and then I'd be frustrated because my kids weren't actually playing with anything because they didn't, they were babies. They didn't yeah. want any of it. Yeah. And, you know, we, we do it to ourselves and yet then they get to a point point where they start accumulating even more and that's when the, that's when it gets even harder. Well, and it's so hard and some of my some of my boys are literal gift people and that they don't need like it to be a nice gift. It could be a napkin from a birthday party and we're saving yeah. it oh, because it yeah. means something to them and I remember when I went to that birthday party I mean, that's a personality sometimes yes. that's tricky. I was kind of that when I was little and my mom was like you can have this one box under your bed. It's like one yep. box. No, we have a we have a drawer, and that's our girls each have a drawer, and and I it is totally a personality thing because my oldest daughter is exactly like that. Like everything means something to her, mm-hmm. and even even like garbage. Oh, I could make a craft with this. Yes, that's a girl thing. Oh, must my be. stars, crafts, <laughs> the tape. But, yeah, and my younger one, she's like, "Oh no, you can get rid of that," and I'll be like, "But that's your special blankie that you had. You were born. Oh yeah, I'm kind of done with it." But yes, you know, so, more like people oriented than thing oriented. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. So it really, you really do have to be sensitive to your different personalities. But I think you know, one thing that I started doing with my daughter, and maybe this makes me a bad mom. I can't believe I'm admitting this. But we, one time I was like, oh, Maggie, you better be careful. You're going to turn into a hoarder. And she's like, well, what's a hoarder? And I'm like, well, let's go check on Netflix and see if we can watch it. And sure enough, Netflix had hoarders. And so we started watching it. And she like right after that was like, let's go declutter my room. That's the best me- best method ever. You're not a bad mom. That is like oh, I, genius. I watch that now quite frequently. Every that time is... we need to have a good purge. Well, and that is perfect lead-in because I had underlined a quote uh, from oh, what chapter are we talking? Chapter one. Look at that. Uh, you said, after all, if we can't stop the flow of new stuff coming in, all the books in the world about organizing and decluttering won't help because they don't go into hoarders and just say, well, you know, we're professionals. We got this. We can clear this out because they know it goes deeper for that person. It's so much deeper. It's so much deeper for all of us. And yeah, I think hoarders are the way extreme of that. Yeah. But it really is. It's a matter of kind of changing the way that we even approach it and and how we have to st- stop that flow of stuff coming in. That's the first thing. If we can't do that, then it doesn't matter how much stuff we get rid of because we will always fill our house right back up again. So what things have helped y'all with having young kids? How have you kept the flow from coming in? Well, I really avoid the stores. Yeah. That's a huge What about online? That's a little bit harder, but yeah. I don't, I really try really hard not to shop online too. I yeah. cause I used to be a big online shopper, like amazon.com and yes. that Amazon prime. prime was like life changing for me. It yeah. was, so I mean, bad. I can have anything I want in two days and now we or have two a distribution hours. center. Yeah. Like two hours away. So the stuff comes, you order it on Saturday night. It's there like first thing Sunday morning. I don't even know how they yeah. do it. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, yeah. but also a little bit scary yeah. how like accessible it is. So really being careful and conscientious about just not letting new stuff come in. Even and we're real careful about birthdays and and Christmas 
Mm-hmm. For our kids, we, you know, for Christmas, we'll usually do like one or two gifts, but that's about it. And, yeah. and we've started giving our kids money mm-hmm. um, because we go, we like to travel and we like to travel with them. And so we're more about if going on experiences and so that they have money to do the things that they want to do when we go on trips and that they're also learning how to manage money. Um, and it's, that's worked out that's worked out well now that they're a little bit older and, and more capable of, of kind of handling that and well, get to teach have, them about budgeting. So that yeah. works out really well too. And you have the two girls. I mean, when you have the same gender, I don't know about y'all, but we pretty much have every single toy you could buy for a boy Oh yeah, at every age and stage. And we do, it's like the, and we have such generous, wonderful family on both mm-hmm. sides that want to give everybody a gift. Fortunately, we do like the Such secret Santa. And, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, for the grandparents, we have done the experiences. How about y'all get a membership mm-hmm. to the zoo? How about you do, um, which I took them to Legoland. Uh, how about, you know, for my, even my second son, who's more people than stuff for Christmas yes. from us, we got him tickets to go see a basketball game. And we said, oh. you know what? It's not going to be till April. It's actually this Wednesday. Uh, you're going to have to wait, but it's going to make Christmas last so much longer. Oh, that's so great. Yep. And we've done that same thing too. Like last year we went to Disney for a couple of days and it was great. We had the best time we've like had as a family Mm. and, but we didn't do Christmas presents at all. And my, and they were like totally, totally good with that. And then this year we went to um, Washington state and spent Christmas with my family, which was the first time we've ever done that. Mm. And that we all rented a cabin together up in the mountains, all my siblings and I, and it was so much fun and we, none of us did presents. And Mm. so that was just really great because it was so not about the stuff. It was just about the experience of being together. And my kids had never, I mean, there was 22 of us. My kids had never had a big family get together because we live in Florida and they all live in Washington state. And my kids were like, when do we get a move to Washington? (laughs) Thought it was the best Christmas they've ever had. And so so much more memorable than the gift. Kind of like your memorable Christmas. I think we should talk about about the gift that you build up. Yeah. Yes. Tell everybody about that. You mentioned in this, in the book. Okay. So are you talking, you're talking about the cabbage? Patch. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So when I was, I think like seven years old, that was in the mid eighties yeah. and, um, every like cabbage patch dolls were the thing that you had had to have a yeah. cabbage patch doll. Flying off the shelves. And, oh, Couldn't, flying off yeah. the shelves. Like people were tackling each other yeah. and it was all craziness. And so I was determined I was going to have a Cabbage Patch doll and I was dreaming about my Cabbage Patch doll and talking about my Cabbage Patch doll and checking them under the tree every day. And then like one day there was this present and it, they have very distinctive boxes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I knew that my Cabbage Patch doll was there and it was like still like, you know, a few days before Christmas and I was going to have to wait. And finally, like we always, and my family, we opened presents on Christmas Eve growing up. And so Christmas Eve comes, my whole family's there, my grandparents are there. And my, my, my mom's parents uh, were, were Dutch immigrants. And so just very like, you know, salt of the earth, stout Dutch people, very stern. And 
I know the punchline. So so I open up this doll and I'm like so happy. Like my life is complete now because I have this cabbage fetch doll and she's Andy Harrietta and she had brown hair. (laughs) You remember. Oh, so her birthday was November 1st and I remember her outfit and her little braids and she had brown hair and she had two little teeth and I thought she was so cute. And so my my Dutch grandma says, Russia. Zet, zet me see that doll. And, you know, in her Dutch accent. Yeah. So I go and I run over and I'm all so excited to show her this doll. And she goes, Oh, that is a phrase like young as that is a lelike dolicha, which means that's Dutch. That means this is basically the ugliest doll I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so completely, absolutely like devastated because my grandma, who I loved, my grandma had just called this doll that I had wanted so bad. She had just called it the ugliest thing she had ever seen. Because she's so right. And she's so right. And that was the thing. And that's the point of the story in the book yes. is that we, I was so obsessed and the whole, our whole culture was so obsessed with this Cabbage Patch doll that year. Like it was the mm-hmm. bad toy. Mm-hmm. And yet, it took this like totally blunt Dutch woman to point out the thing that nobody else was pointing out that these dolls are not very attractive dolls. Like they're pretty ugly. Even if you sprinkle some baby powder on them and, yes. and maybe give us a little newborn one with the squishy bottom, they're still, they're still, Look at them. they are not, they're not cute, yeah. but I still loved her. And, and that wasn't the point that I didn't love her. No. And I, no. she was, I, I got much joy out of her from, for a long time. But I think that it was the point of the story in the book is just that there, we, there have been so many of these fads that come and go. And are, you know, we have this consumer culture that tells us that we need to have stuff. But I think we, sometimes we need to have a little bit more discernment about what we're actually bringing in. Well, and to give context to your sweet grandmother, <laughs> I told Ruth, I said, when I read that story, I laughed out loud because because they were so sold out in America. My dad happened to be on a business trip in Holland and he was like, there were piles of Cabbage Patch Kids dust covering them. So he brings back like the prizes, like my Cabbage Patch for me and even my little brother, he got him a boy one and the birth certificates were in Dutch. That is so funny. So the Dutch, I guess all the Dutch people thought they were ugly. It was pretty much a generalized, they're like, what is wrong with these Americans? They're so messed up. These are the ugliest things we've ever seen. What do their kids look like that they're making? (laughs) (laughs) That is hilarious. So So do you like limit what your kids watch on TV so that to keep away from that? Oh yeah, we my kids don't actually know what a commercial is. Like they Fabulous. have, we only have Netflix, and so mm. they they do watch Netflix occasionally. We'll let them watch a show, um, but it's very very little. And so it's and it's only on Netflix, so they've never they don't get the you know Christmas bombardment um, yeah. with what all the hot toys are. They never they never really know. And you know, frankly, their lives are not worse for <laughs> not. Having seen commercials. Well, it's so true. Even like my little three-year-old at Christmas time. I mean, the boys would maybe be watching a show that had a commercial and he'd be like, I need that. (laughs) You don't need that. You don't even... You don't even know what it is. <laughs> and, you, and you have to real, like think that these companies are paying millions of dollars for this advertising oh, and yeah. they are researching what is going to 
what is going to turn like kids' brains on and what's going to attract kids. Like they know, they do all the research, they study all the psychology of, of advertising. Like they want the hearts and minds of our kids. And that's where I think as parents, we have to be so vigilant about protecting our kids from that kind of just influx. I mean, my kids are going to get it eventually. There's going to be a time in their life where the message of more, more, more gets to them. And I want them to have the tools to be able to resist it now. So while I have, yeah, maybe it makes me a control freak mom that I only (laughs) let my kids watch Netflix. But at the same time, like, I think that's kind of my job for right now is to, is to protect their little minds from, from other people's messages. I feel like we're the gatekeepers, right? Yes. Like we don't have to let everything in. We already, I mean, a lot of us moms listening, don't let them watch rated R movies. We're already the gatekeepers on uh, moral things. Why not heart things? I mean, my boys, we will talk about, they'll see a commercial. I'm like, guys, okay, that, that's not even in what they're selling you. That's an extra thing. Okay, look here. It doesn't really fly. I remember one time my son wanted these tennis shoes he saw in a commercial because he thought he would jump super high. It was like some, I don't even can't even think of the brand right now, but he thought it really had springs in it, but they made it look like springs. Oh, So we had to go to the store and look at them. I'm like, see, they, they don't always like portray it. And then also the heart of the matter of like, uh, Fitbits are really big at our kids' school right now. Oh, really? for yep. kids? Really? Uh-huh. Second graders. Oh, wow. Everybody got a Fitbit at second grade. So my son came home and he we talked about getting the Fitbit instead of the basketball tickets because uh, we were like, well, if it gets you to run more, whatever, you get your one gift if that's what you want to do. And he was like, no, nah, I don't think so. I'd rather do basketball. He comes home. He's like, I changed my mind. I did want the Fitbit. <laughs> I'm like, why? Oh, because everybody has it. And he took his dad's that was like the third version they kept breaking. Uh, it wouldn't hold a charge. He was like, I just want to wear it so people think I have one. Oh, okay. We need to talk about this. Why do we need people to think you have one? Because yeah. that, to me, is where even us moms struggle. Right? Oh, so, so much. Whatever yeah. little culture you're in has a look, you know? Um I, I, when I was in speech pathology conferences, there was like the Ann Taylor loft look everyone wore. Oh, so like I you didn't get the memo for the uniform. I didn't. <laughs> so every place, every culture, every community that is so true. I has definitely a look. felt like that when I first started blogging. I There's think a the look. first blogging conference I went to was Blistem, and mm-hmm. yep, there was totally there was totally a look, a blogger yeah. look, and I definitely had a hard time with that. And I yeah. think that was probably not, that was not to blame for my stuff problem, but it, it certainly contributed for a, a while where, when I was, you know, trying to fit the, fit the profile, I think. Well, even and like at school moms, like it might be like everyone's wearing so Lululemon true. or everyone's. Yep. So then we have to, because we want to fit, there's something in our core that wants to fit in. Yep. And yep, so t- let's true. talk about the decluttering of the soul a little bit in relation okay. to our stuff. Like what advice you talked about the flow and not letting things get in. But is there any, any point you have about that heart level? Well, you know, I think that one of the things that I really address in the book is when we get to the soul part is just, we have this kind of do it yourself mentality in Mm -hmm. our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially with women where we think, you know, we think we can just fix everything by, you know, putting everything in the right box and, you know, 
figuring it all out and if we read the right books and if we do the right stuff and we, if we check off the right lists and if we participate in the right activities, then we're going to get the life that we want. Mm. And a lot of times it doesn't work that way. And so, you know, I talk a little, a little bit about balance from that perspective and realizing in my own life that balance doesn't mean like figuring out, you know, the right perfect way to distribute my time um, so that it's all even. It's It means it's not really something I can even do. Balance is only what happens when we stop doing and we just rest. Mm. And in terms of like our spiritual life, I think we're guilty of the same thing. A lot of times we think that if we do the right devotionals and if we pray the right prayers and if we, you know, go to the right, the right spiritual gatherings and the right, right. Um, retreats and we, you know, we go to church and we do this and we do that. And we we're always looking for that experience of like where we're doing our faith the right way. Mm. And yet it's, that's not really how it works because our faith isn't based on what we can do. And it's not based on how our salvation is not based on anything we can do. So it's all what happens when we stop doing and we start accepting the grace that we've been given as a gift, totally undeserved. And that's a really, really hard thing to accept. And yet it's the most important thing that we could ever do. And it's the thing that will set us free. Stopping to accept the grace that we've been given and not do, that's huge, right? That is, that takes time in itself. Yep. Yeah. It's one, it's some, it's one of those lessons you got to come back to again and again and again, because we are fallen human creatures that mess up constantly and will always be messing up. Like we're, <laughs> that is the nature of our humanity. And so I mean, it's coming back to that again and again, that it is not me that can do this. It is it is God that can do this. Well, and there's that cycle. I don't know if you've felt it ever where you'll have like a day or an hour, maybe even a whole week where you're like, I'm doing pretty good. I did the grocery. Oh, yeah. I got the clothes yep. folded. Everybody got where they needed to be. Look at me. And then uh-huh. it doesn't take a moment. And Bam. then you're like, I'm the worst. I can't believe I can't get my stuff together. Why would my husband even want to be married to me? He should have somebody else oh. I, who could do it better. Maybe he should stay home full time. I've literally told him that. You should stay home full time because you would do a much better job at this. I, He's yeah, adamant my, that I that he couldn't. My husband does do a much better job. <laughs> I know. I was like, I think you're really good. You're, you're really good at unloading dishwasher and you're really good at staying on top of everything and He's like, I would be miserable, Heather. I'm like, okay, but what about I'm kind of miserable sometimes? So, yeah, yeah. I think that if we are basing it off of us doing, we get in that cycle. We get in that cycle. And yeah. the thing is, like, it's it, it's so funny because for me, it's always in those low moments that then I remember, oh, yeah, I'm not supposed to do this on my own. Like my problem is thinking that I can do it all. Mm. And that's where you come back to it again and again and again. Mm. So it's, I know, it's, and it, I'm sure I will be in that cycle forever. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to learn stuff when it comes it to the, our hearts. Okay. Um, but I do think you have come a long way Uh Y'all, this is not just a light, like, okay, this is how you declutter your closet book. Um, I was telling Ruth, I was just getting to the last chapter of the book, and Ruth shares hard stuff. Um, you share some hard stuff from you. your own life. And I don't know if you want to give a, a glimpse of 
where you've come from, because God has done a work and you have accepted grace. Um, oh, from he where had you, work cut out for me. That is for sure. Yes. So a little <laughs> glimpse. The of... little the five minutes synopsis. <laughs> well, um, it's a lot. Well, basically, but... I'm a mess. Um, <laughs> and my senior year of college, um, and this is, if you've read my blog, you might be familiar with this story because I do share a little bit on my blog. Um, but my senior year of college, I went through a terrible depression. I'd grown up, you know, in a Christian home, Christian, went to Christian school all my life, went to Christian college, and then went through this terrible depression and ended up um, attempting suicide several times. And hospital, I was hospitalized for um, a couple of years. Like, not just, this wasn't like a two-week downtime. This was like major... Mm. Um, lost, lost everything. I filed for bankruptcy. I was married at the time. We got divorced. I lost all my friends. Um, had to drop out of college. It was, I mean, it was completely lost everything that I'd ever had. And in the midst of all of that, I, um, and one of the reasons I think I was so depressed was because I, I lost my faith as well. And, and just, I wanted nothing to do with God. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, that went on for for many years, for probably a, a good ten years before um, I eventually I would like to say I turned my back on God, but He did not turn His back on me. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot more to the story, um, but eventually He found He found me again, or uh, got me back again. And um, it's been, you know, just realizing that. I couldn't do it all on my own. And I think a lot of that process when I was on my own for so long was how I got so stuffed in the first place where I was just trying to fill this hole inside of me, but really there was nothing, nothing else that could, nothing else that could fill it up. Mm. Was that a good <laughs> Well, I appreciate you sharing a little piece of it because there's so often we as moms, I think one of the reasons we, gain stress in the area of stuff and schedule and soul is because we look around and we say, well, she's got it all together and I'm a failure. And they look at your sweet face and your sweet smile and your sweet girls and you're writing this book and they could think, well, that Ruth, she's always had it together yes. and she doesn't know what my life is like. She doesn't know what I want to do to myself right now. I, um, I can't keep on going on. My husband would be better without me here. And, and they may have gone into church that morning. I know I had a breakdown and it was Sunday after church. So it's not that, well, they just need to go to church. It's, there's a, there is a heart surrender, um, recaptivating, recognizing how deeply loved you are by God, despite anything you do or are that a woman has to feel and just for her to know that you've been there, I think is really helpful. Oh, I think it makes all the difference in the world. And I, you know, even when I was in that place, I used to look at people who, who had it all together and think, Oh, they don't know anything about me or they don't mm -hmm. understand what they're going through. And the other thing I would see is people that were depressed who never got better. And I would think there's no hope for me because mm -hmm. nobody ever gets better when they're mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm. And so I think from both perspectives, I, you know, I've been there and I like to say, like I say on my blog all the time, I am not a money saving expert. I started my blog living well, spending less, not because I know how to save money, but because I don't. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with, with unstaffed. I did not write this book because I'm like some super organized declutter, decluttering expert. 
Um, I wrote it because I struggle with it too, but I, you know, I also am one of those people who really, I, I try to find solutions and I try to figure out what works. And, and so all I'm doing is walking beside you and sharing what has worked for me and how to avoid some of the painful mistakes I've made, hopefully. I think it's really, it hits on so many good things. We didn't even talk about the whole section on friendship. Oh, I know. Do we have seconds or not? Do you have to go? Do we we have have seconds? seconds. Okay. Because (laughs) I have you held captive until I let you free. I, I almost just moved on, but then I was like, I talk about friendships a lot on the show because I think friendships are hard. I think women, they are are so hard. I think women, you know, when we, we have all that baggage too, Mm -hmm. and we are doing the comparing and we are needing something from, from God that we put on people. Yes. It can hurt our marriages. It can hurt our relationship with our kids and it can hurt our friendships. And, Mm -hmm. um, this one, I think it's page 176. If you already bought the book, y'all, or you can go back and look, it says basic rules of real relationships genius this little chart you have here (laughs) because that is where relationships break down it's like reciprocity i'm okay if i interact with you x number of times week month year you are okay if i if i if you interact with me like how much expectation are we putting on each other yes for this relationship yes so good so good okay what else what do y'all what do you have as far as decluttering with friendships? Well, you know, I think it's, it's a hard, it was kind of a tricky chapter to write actually, and a hard subject to broach in a book about decluttering, because I don't want it to sound like you need to throw your friends away or, you know, like let's declutter my friendships. Okay. You stay, you go, you stay, you go. And I don't mean it like that, but I think like social media has completely like cheapened our friendships Mm -hmm. and it's made them very broad and very shallow. Mm -hmm. And so we will have 500 Facebook friends, but nobody that actually knows us, nobody Mm -hmm. that knows when we need a phone call because we feel like crap. Nobody that celebrates the wins with us Mm -hmm. and challenges us when we have, you know, something that we need to be called to the call to the table on. And so I think that's what that chapter is really about is figuring out how to have grace in our friendships and how to have depth in our friendships. Really, really two things that are super important because the truth is that if we do make ourselves vulnerable to other people, there will be times where they let us down and we let them down and we have to be okay with that. And, and like, I love how you said that, like sometimes we project what we want from God onto our friendships and our friends aren't God and they can't give us exactly that thing. And they're not going to be perfect, Mm -hmm. but you can still have just this really, really um, richness in your life when you have some really core strong friendships. And, and it may require a conversation. Mm -hmm. Like it may be um, a conversation of, I keep hurting you. I feel like the balance is off. It gives you words. This, this chart gives you words uh, for knowing that something's wrong and instead of just avoiding the friendship altogether and, and having a bunch of – a trail of broken friendships. Yes. Putting, putting, putting words to it because I do have friends where like I haven't talked to them for a year. We're good. Yep. That's the level we're at. We, we've, yep. we've established. Um, there's other friends I check in with regularly. There's – one of my friends is so good at calling me 
once a week and checking in and like that's amazing yeah she's so good at that and like we keep each other on a we call it like a truth <laughs> like what lies are you believing yes like where where is your heart like, like an accountability partner type kind of, of yeah with yeah, you know out. so good and I'm not the one to be good at calling but I'm fine to pick up that phone yeah I will have a conversation yep. but I've ever noticed yeah. That there's some people that you will always pick up the phone for and there's other people that yeah. you when won't. it's draining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that I think that's like a really telling way of like mm-hmm. of a kind of evaluating your friendships. Like where what are the ones that are draining draining me and then what can I do to resolve this? Because mm-hmm. it's not like people are is tricky. Like it's not like you can put your best friend in the goodwill bin, but you can <laughs> no. if, really want to salvage the friendship you can deal with stuff you know what uh, this week I was my it was my birthday last week and my best friend also has a birthday in March so she (laughs) texted me on my birthday to say happy birthday and I like completely I realized as she was texting me about my birthday that I completely forgot her birthday Mm. and it made me realize like what an amazing friendship that she was like oh no worries I know you've had a hard month like that's grace right there that's that is true like when they can give you extend you the grace and assume from the start that I love you (laughs) like yeah like like uh, like assume the best assume the best exactly she didn't like you didn't purposely forget her birthday nope your brain no. can only do so many things. Your life can only hold so many things. And that is why we have been friends for 25 years. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, yeah. it's like one of those, it's just an amazing gift. Uh, well, Ruth, I really appreciate you taking the time to write the book first. Thank Chat with you. me today, second, on your big launch day. Aww. <laughs> you so much for having me on this was so much fun well we really appreciate it. we really just love your honesty and your vulnerability and and i really am this week i think i'm gonna do the weekend declutter challenge or un- unstuff challenge should you should i like looked at it like outlines every hour of what to do all weekend we have nothing i'm thinking i'm gonna <gasps> present it to the to the husband because he wants us to unstuff oh for sure so doing it all at in. once like that is like amazing because you just like yeah. It's, tr- it's totally transformative. I think so. I need to see quick results. <sighs> Yay. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for all of that and, and helping our family function better. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much. All right. And have a good rest great. of your launch day. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, y'all. First of all, I want to uh, acknowledge the weight of what Ruth shared uh, just now in the interview and her story. I put a link in the show notes to what she wrote out her full story on her site. Uh, it's called Amazing Grace Part One, Amazing Grace Story Part One. And, you know, in that she shares that the root of her depression started um, when she was reminded of a history of sexual abuse from a caretaker. And uh, that's hard stuff. And so I don't know what your story is. I know that that is, is not a rare event. And so if that is your story, if you're struggling with depression, if you are having suicidal thoughts, I want you to know there is a hotline, 1-800-273-TALK or uh, 1-800-273-8255. Make sure you call somebody, tell someone. Uh, Even if you are in a depression, uh, reach out. You know, if you're not feeling like yourself, tell somebody that that to me is the first step in in moving forward is 
putting it out into the light uh, and letting somebody know. I also know that you may want to unstuff your life, but you're feeling overwhelmed and you don't know where to start. So I'd like for you to think of one thing in your life. I don't know if it's your home. I don't know if it's your schedule. I don't know if it's your mind. I don't know if it's your spiritual life that you would like to be different than it is. It's, it's, you would like more space, more freedom in that one area. What, what would it look like? If you could imagine it differently, what would it look like? And what would it take? What action could you take to get you there? So let's say uh, for our home, this weekend we sat down on Saturday and I was like, I'm going to do Ruth's decluttering unstuffed weekend, I told my husband, because we had really nothing planned. And I described it to him. He said, well, what's your main goal? Like my Bruce is always like top down. Uh, and I really just didn't want our main living spaces to be so cluttered. And our main living spaces includes a closet next to our bathroom and a closet under the stairs. And then uh, there's an armoire in our dining room that has all the boys' games and, and things. So he said, how about we focus on those areas and I and the countertop? I've, they've got a lot of stuff on the counter. If we could clean out those areas, I think you would feel a lot better. We don't have to declutter the entire house. And so for us, that was where we focused. And it was thinking, I, I want a space so I don't feel so cluttered. I want places for things so the boys can clean up and put it back and a system. And so, you know, in a Saturday, that's what we did. And it took time and there were bags and bags of trash. And I still have some areas I want to fix up a little bit and make, uh, maybe go to a container store. But now I know what I'm containing and I'm not just buying containers and not knowing what I'm containing. So just some ideas, pick one area. I don't know if it's that you want to have a quiet time, but you don't feel like you can find a time in your day I don't know if it's uh, your schedule is is full. Mine felt full. And then this week, Price broke his arm. So we don't have baseball for him. And there was a birthday party at a trampoline park. And it kind of cleared our schedule a little bit. Uh, I'd also filled it with doctor's appointments. But um, I have a feeling that if schedules are too full, uh, sickness starts happening, you wear yourself down, and your your schedule might be cleared for you uh, in one way or another. So anyway, I wanted to say those couple things. Lastly, definitely check out the Facebook page this week. I'm going to be sharing a little giveaway. Uh, Jeremy Camp has a new video out for his single, Christ in Me, from the album I Will Follow. And I'm going to be giving away a copy of that album. But I wanted to read you all some lyrics from that album it says, in this obsession with the things this world says make us happy, we can't see the slaves that we are and all the searching and all the grasping. Like we desire much more than all the blessings we're holding. So I'm running free into an ocean of mercy unending, uh, asking God to just empty us. This this lie that the world tells us that we need more. And because we're grasping for more things and, and to do more things, we miss that Christ is in us, uh, that he is our life and what we're forgetting to fix our eyes on him uh, and to stop chasing the things of this world. So make sure you, you uh, check out the Facebook page this week. I will post the giveaway there so you can win a copy. Uh, I hope y'all are doing well. I really just want us to live 
lives that are God-centered and can see what he values and what he has been given, he has given us and who we are in him. So have a great day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.